You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Watch out for the watchdog Monero cryptojacking operation. The U.S. Justice Department describes North Korea as a criminal syndicate with a flag. CISA outlines the DPRK malware that figures in the Apple Juice Toolkit. The chair of the U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee asks the FBI and EPA for a report on the Oldsmar Water System cyber sabotage incident. Egregor takes a hit from French and Ukrainian police. Dinah Davis has advice on getting buy-in from the board. Our guest is Bensi Benatar from Sepio Systems on hardware attacks. And the Netherlands police advise cyber criminals to just move on. From the CyberWire studios at Datatribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, February 18th, 2021. Researchers at Palo Alto Networks Unit 42 yesterday outlined the activities of the large Monero mining operation they've called Watchdog. The criminal operation is notable for its longevity, having begun activity in January 2019. Unit 42 assesses Watchdog's cumulative take at a bit more than 209 Monero, worth roughly $32,000. It's a crypto-jacking operation, using some 476 compromised non-cooperating systems, mostly Windows or Nix cloud instances, to mine the coin. The researchers say, quote, it is clear that the watchdog operators are skilled coders and have enjoyed a relative lack of attention regarding their mining operations. While there is currently no indication of additional cloud-compromising activity at present, i.e. the capturing of cloud platform identity and access management credentials, access ID or keys, there could be potential for further cloud account compromise. It's highly likely these actors could find IAM-related information on the cloud systems they've already compromised due to the root and administrative access acquired during the implantation of their crypto-jacking software. Watchdog is a nuisance, but its take amounts to petty larceny when compared to the Hall Hidden Cobra, the Lazarus Group, has pulled in for North Korea. The U.S. Justice Department yesterday unsealed the indictment of three North Korean operators belonging to that country's Reconnaissance General Bureau. They're charged with conspiring to steal and extort more than $1.3 billion in cash and cryptocurrency from banks and businesses around the world. The Justice Department also said a resident of Ontario, Canada, had been separately indicted for laundering money on behalf of the conspiracy. This amounts to more than a simple APT side hustle of the kind seen elsewhere. 
when state operators either enrich themselves a little bit with their left hand or when governments employ cyber criminals for state purposes and tolerate some theft as a side benefit or when a government operation pays its own freight by stealing online. In this case, as we saw yesterday, the theft is the point, as important as the espionage. And it's not just a side benefit lining some hacker's pocket, but it's a significant source of revenue for a national treasury that's been impoverished by international sanctions. U.S. Assistant Attorney General John Dimmers, who leads the Justice Department's National Security Division, called Hidden Cobra a criminal syndicate with a flag, as he explained the role indictments play in naming, shaming, and, one hopes, restraining nation-state threat actors. CISA, the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, has issued alerts amplifying its investigation of Hidden Cobra's apple juice malware family, outlining the JMT Trading, Silas Trade Pro, Ants to Whale, and Coupe Wallet tools. Congress has taken notice of the Oldsmar cyber sabotage incident. Senator Warner, Democrat of Virginia and chair of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, has formally asked the FBI and the Environmental Protection Agency for information on Oldsmar. In a letter addressed to Matt Dorman, FBI Assistant Director, Cyber Division, and Radhika Fox, Acting Assistant Administrator, Office of Water at the EPA, Senator Warner pointed out that water is one of the 16 sectors Presidential Policy Directive 21 designated as critical infrastructure, and that while Oldsmar is a relatively small town with about 15,000 inhabitants, and that while the intrusion into the utilities control system was detected before damage was done, the U.S. might not be so lucky the next time around. The senator asked the Bureau and the EPA to coordinate their responses with his office. He gave no deadline for them to do so. Dutch police are posting notices to hacker forums appealing to the conscience, caution, and criminal self-interest of forum participants who may find themselves tempted to engage in cybercrime. In a message from the Netherlands police that Bleeping Computer Reports has appeared so far on both the Anglophone Raid Forums and the Rusophone XSS Forum, the police blandly recount the recent takedown of Emotet and then say, quote, Hosting criminal infrastructure in the Netherlands is a lost cause. Looking for a botnet? Think again. The Netherlands police will continue to focus on abuse of our infrastructure. We aim at botnets and related malware like Ryuk, TrickBot, and many more. We feed on underground information sources and the cybersecurity industry. We will leave no stone unturned in finding those committed to cybercrime. You might lose your liberty and not just your bots and business. As you know, the Netherlands police is always the first to see next season's catalogs. International law enforcement continues to work against cybercrime wherever it's committed. Everyone makes mistakes. We are waiting for yours. End quote. Well, that would scare us straight if we'd been tempted to hire a botnet or crypto jack someone's machine. Good hunting to the Netherlands police, we say. Their note isn't bad at all clear, direct, and calculated to undermine that strange, disinhibited sense of immunity that tends to infect people in cyberspace, from influencers to fans to, well, crooks, creeps, and side-hustling spies. The mentions of underground information and next season's catalog are particularly nice touches. The Netherlands police also close with some news you can use, quote, check where criminals host their infrastructure, avoid those that use the Netherlands. 
quote, It's law north of the Vol, hackers, which in cyberspace is even scarier than law west of the Pecos. You've been warned. Seriously. There have been other international law enforcement operations, of course. This week, a joint Franco-Ukrainian action resulted in the arrest of several Ukrainian nationals on charges related to operating the Egregor ransomware-as-a-service operation. The disruption may be temporary, as Dark Reading writes, but for now at least, Egregor has taken a hit. And finally, as we speak to our listeners in Texas from our own greater Baltimore ice storm, which isn't nearly as bad as yours, we send warm wishes for safety and comfort to everyone in the Lone Star State who's suffering from the effects of immoderate weather. Stay safe and stay warm. We'd add, look out for your neighbors, but you already knew that. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot cyber. In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration, Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire. It's been a month and a half or so since the riot at the U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C. Footage from that fateful day included shots of rioters ransacking and rummaging through the offices of representatives, and there were additional reports of computer hardware being stolen. It was a stark reminder that unauthorized physical access to hardware remains a serious risk. For more on this, we checked in with Bensi Benatar, CMO and co-founder of Sepio Systems. So uh, I think that uh, 
a lot of the actions being taken by the existing um, security teams are mostly related to the capabilities of the tools that are being deployed. So I think the main uh, the main issue is that they currently have a very limited visibility to hardware with malicious intent. So obviously they do have uh, various uh, visibility tools to get a kind of an asset inventory to some of their tools, to some of their assets. But uh, when you talk about the the rogue aspects of uh, hardware uh, hardware devices, then they they lack the capabilities and visibility into those. Can you give us an idea of the spectrum of of types of devices that folks may find hooked up to their network? You know, from the you know the noisy ones through the ones that are trying to stay hidden. So uh, the basic um, the basic categories are uh, could be divided into two. One would be the network uh, implants or network spoofing devices, and the other would be uh, various uh, USB. HID emulating devices, but they are not limited to that because every device can be an impersonating device, whether it's a display or a or a serial device or any hardware device of uh, of any interface could be that. When talking in specifics about uh, about the network uh, options, then we see a lot of uh, men in the middle attack tools that actually operate while exfiltrating the information over a cellular connection because. Attackers understood um, quite smartly that uh, some of the enterprises do monitor their uh, Wi-Fi activity, so uh, their exfiltration path would be using a cellular connection, which is uh, much more difficult to uh, intercept and to analyze, especially regulation-wise. And those devices that operate on the layer one, on the physical layer, act as a seamless uh, passive cable so that none of the existing solutions uh, in the upper layer, mainly layer two and above, whether these are NAC solution or IDS solution, cannot detect the existence of these devices because the switch itself, which is their main uh, probing uh, device and, and source for information, does not see those devices. So there could be a, starting from a, a passive uh, network implant, going through a full-blown man-in-the-middle attack tool that is based on a on a cellular router. On the USB side, it's a different game because some of the attacks that we've uh, that we've seen are attacks that exploit vulnerabilities within existing uh, uh, USB devices. So it could be a wireless combo keyboard, which is known to be vulnerable, or a, a cer- certain mass storage device, or it could be a, a rubber ducky device, which is a device that impersonates as a legitimate keyboard with the same facade of a, of a legitimate keyboard, while in real uh, life it's actually a, an attack tool that runs uh, scripts that um, could significantly harm the enterprise's uh, capability of, uh, of doing business. That's Bensi Ben-Attar from Sepio Systems. And joining me once again is Dinah Davis. She's the VP of R&D for Arctic Wolf. Dinah, it's always great to have you back. Um, I want to touch base with you today about interacting with a company's board of directors and, and kind of making that case to get funding for security. What can you share with us today? 
Yeah, it's really important, right, that the board buys in and and actually funds um, funds the security program in your company, right? So the first thing you really need to get around is how to get them engaged, right? You can't mm. just, you know, walk into the board one day and say, hey, I need some money. Can you give me some money? Because <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they're going to be like, uh, no, <laughs> what are you going to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> right. Who are you and what what are you doing here? Yes, exactly. So um, a great place to start is with the fact that cyber risk is actually organizational risk, right? Mm. What are the risks that your board cares about? So you can highlight that it's not only the company's reputation, but there are massive commercial implications to a breach. In fact, I was reading yesterday that about uh, 40% of the losses, like the financial loss that companies go through during a breach is because of customer loss, because they're not mm. trusted anymore. So that's the first thing, you know, make them understand the importance of the reputational and commercial implications. And also remind them that directors and officers of the company are liable for me- misrepresenting their security measures, right? So mm. if they fail to disclose things, if they're not doing what they need to do, there could be heavy fines for them. Mm-hmm. They've got skin in the game. They do, they do. And then you got to hit them where it hurts most. <laughs> Money. <Go on>. <laughs> Money. <laughs> so, you know, what would it cost their organization if ransomware shut them down? So walk them through that. The costs include like um, the cleanup, the loss of customers, like I said, uh, compliance fines, uh, all kinds of things, right? And if you're in healthcare, it's even worse, right? You've got HIPAA to deal with and all these other things like that. And so you can show them that adding security after will cost you, after development and after something like that will cost you about 100 times more, right? Um, And then you can show them you know, some statistics on the likelihood that they will get breached. So, and the average cost. So the average cost of a data breach in 2020 was $3.8 million. Um, So that's kind of crazy. And then on average, it takes about 280 days to spot and contain a breach. So the more stuff you have in place at the beginning, the faster you're going to find that, the more you're going to detect it, the less money you're going to lose. And then... As I mentioned before, the largest factor is the loss of business, uh, which is about 40%, right? Yeah. So now that you've, you know, scared the crap out of them um, <laughs> and, and showed them all the, the bad things, now you want to show them what you've done for good. So you want to go in there and say, hey, look, this is what we've put in place already. It's decent. It's not going to cover everything, you know, that that we are worried about, but it's covering good. Here's what we need more um, so that we can do this, 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 and this, and it's going to cost this much. Um, that's what we need your funding for. So you can also remember to um, keep it simple, practice your mm-hmm. pitch, and if needed, go get marketing to help you with your slides. Make them look amazing. That's what marketing is for. <laughs> right. It's interesting to me, like, you know, as you mentioned at the outset, the the importance of speaking to them in their own language, of taking the time ahead of time to do your homework. So when you walk in there, uh, you're talking to them as you know in in terms of risk, which is what yes. they that's what resonates with them. Yes, absolutely, right. And it's it's money risk, it's reputation risk, 
it's fines, it's all kinds of different risk for them, right? And ultimately, I mean, it's up to them to decide how they're going to dial things in, how they're going to, I mean, it can't be total risk elimination, but it's risk management. Right. Exactly. Right. You have to, it's that medium ground, right? Because if you did everything to the nth degree, you might bankrupt the company spending all the money doing that. Right. Right. Or making it so hard that your customers can't use your product. Right. That's that classic security problem of usability versus security. Right. Um, And it's Mm -hmm. the same when you're looking at a business on how much to put in place to protect yourself and how much you have to just go, okay, let's accept that risk and make sure we have good, um, you know, response plans if it happens. Yeah, no, I think it's really important stuff. All right, good information. Dinah Davis, thanks for joining us. No problem. that's the cyberwire for links to all of today's stories check out our daily briefing at the and for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field sign up for cyberwire pro it'll save you time and keep you informed a palatable confection and a most nourishing food listen for us on your alexa smart speaker too the Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Pittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.